This week's All-American Chapel Protestant Service podcast sermon will be given by Chaplain Dominic Grady. I invite you to pray with me. Father, your word tells us that when we hear it, we need to stop and heed it. That's because if we don't, if we reject you and your word, there is consequences. With it comes judgment and ultimately death. But however, if we allow it to penetrate our hearts and use its transforming works with your word, with you in your presence comes life, joy, and peace. And so, God, we ask for you to break through our hardened hearts. The heart that tells me it's okay to continue in my sin. The heart that tells me it's okay to ignore your call over my life because we'll deal with it later. The heart that chooses to put something, about, uh, something else above your will. Instead, God, break our hearts. Give us ears to hear your word and your life. And may that start here and now. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have you ever been found doing the wrong thing? Yeah, we all got something in our mind right now. So there I was hiding in pitch black darkness. And I did not want them to find me, at least not yet right? And so I chose the, the best, the, the darkest, the hardest place to find. It was the barn in our backyard. I crawl up the loft, and I stop, I kneel down really quietly, and I just hide, and I wait. And all of a sudden, I hear some rustling around just outside the barn. One person, two people, three people, here they come. How many of them will find me? They just move on. And all of a sudden, a moment passes, and it turns into another moment, and another moment, and then complete silence. And just then, my heart sank a little, because I actually wanted them to find me. See, we were playing a game. It's called sardines. I don't know if you played it back then, but it was reverse hide-and-seek. The person who was it would go off and hide, as opposed to the other, right? And then it was everybody else's job, and there was about 15 people there. They were all there for my birthday party, right? Happy birthday. And, and so I had just this dream that I would find this perfect hiding spot. And so I found this perfect hiding spot, but, but unfortunately, it was so perfect. It was too perfect that no one could find me. And so a moment turned into a minute, and a minute turned into another until it was 30 minutes of me just sitting there, just wasting time up there in the loft of our barn. And so I was like, I got to help these people out. So I went out to make myself a better target, got outside of the barn, and decided to look every, for everybody all over the property. That was the rules. You had to stay in the property. No one. No one was around. I'm like, where is everybody? And so I start looking all over. Eventually, I get up to my house, and I hear some noise coming out of the living room. I walk up to the back door, and I peek in, and there are all 15 of my friends eating brownies and ice cream and watching the movie Aladdin. That tells you how old I am, right? And I look at them, and I say, what are you doing? Why would you stop looking for me? And they said, Dom, your mom came out and offered us brownies and ice cream. What are we going to do? We're not going to be rude. We, we were going to go back out and find you. We just got distracted. There is so much wrong with this story, right? So many wrong things. But at the heart of it, what I want you to catch is this. 
there were people there that said they were going to be doing they were going to do one thing and they were found doing something completely else because they got distracted last week jesse chaplain hunt shared with us in christ's fourth sermon and we're, we're in the last week the fifth sermon of the gospel of matthew it's called the unlikely kingdom and last week jesse talked about this very issue the disciples had gotten distracted about who was be, who was going to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven and because they were distracted their lives they drifted away from what a believer's life should look like and as we move into this final sermon in Matthew 24 and 25, we're going to see Jesus again is addressing this very specific issue, this thought. Why shouldn't we let ourselves get distracted in our lives? Why does this matter to you, specifically you? Why does this matter to me? Why shouldn't I be placing my career first, my family first, the things that are important to me? I can always come back later. When I have more time, when the kids are grown, when there's, my job's not quite so busy, there's excuse after excuse after excuse. And Christ is going to give us the answer to this question right here and right now in this sermon. This is his final sermon just days before he's crucified. And he says this, I am the king and I am coming back. And when I come back, you must be ready. It's the entire purpose of the message. His sermon in one sentence, if you will. I'll say it again. I'm coming back and you must be ready because if you aren't, it's going to be too late to change anything then. Picture it like me as a dad playing hide and seek with my kids as a toddler. Levi Hudson and Jack are just over there, right there. And when they were younger, we would play hide and seek. And so they, they would beg, 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 dad, play hide and seek. Okay, I'll count to 30, and I'm in the living room. And they would just go scurry up into the living room, or I mean, upstairs into the rooms, and think of great places to hide. But they're so young, they would see their toys that were inevitably still out, and they'd get distracted. And as I count to 30, I would still hear them rustling around. And so what I would do is I would yell out, ready or not, here I come. And all of a sudden, you would hear, Everything stopped, and they would just scramble, and I would give them a few more seconds. I want you to understand, spiritually, that is us. We've begun this game of hide-and-seek, not really, but we get distracted by things of this world, just like my friends were distracted by brownies and ice cream, and I understand I love brownies and ice cream, right? And my kids get distracted by toys and other things that just lure you in, and this world, it says that these things are more real than God's kingdom, his unlikely kingdom itself. What king of this world gives his people a second, a third, a fourth, a fifth, and beyond chances to be ready? There's no king of this earth. There's no empire that we would build. It is an unlikely kingdom. But that's exactly what Christ does. He gives you and me grace over and over and over again. As a loving father who wants to know and he wants his church to know that, the, that he is more real and that his forever is more than anything this world has to offer, no matter what the distraction is. Still, the moral of today's story, the moral of this sermon is this. I am the king and I am coming back. 
And just like I gave a warning to my kids, ready or not, here I come. Christ has told us, he's told me, he's told you that he is coming back. And we, we have loads of excuses. But the question is, are you ready? That's today's question. That's our problem. How do us, how do we as his church, as sinful, forgetful, distractible people, be ready for his return? We are so often distracted and we go astray. Like the disciples last week, again, when Jesse shared, they thought they were doing the right thing. They were doing so many good things. They thought those, doing those things made them ready. You and me, we count our good deeds. Maybe, maybe saying, okay, if God comes back and sees me on a good week, I'm good. Like last week, I did 30 good deeds, God. That, that was a good week. You could have come back then. I would have been set. We begin to think it's our actions alone that, that God is impressed with. I want you to hear this next part. Because in this passage, Jesus sets it straight. It's not what you do that makes you ready. Rather, it's who you are. I want to say it again. It's not what you do that makes you ready. Rather, it's who you are. Because this last sermon is about an unlikely kingdom. And he again tells his disciples, it's not what you do, but it's what or who you have to be. And where this may seem like a little bit of wordplay, it's important for you to understand what Jesus is talking about is the heart, the source of your behavior, the source of what what drives your actions. Once the, act, the actions will follow once your heart is in the right place with the Lord. So again, the question is this, how can we as a sinful, distractful, forget, forgetful people be ready for his return? Well, this is the bottom line of the sermon. This is your walk away. So if you're taking notes, this is what I need you to write down. God calls us to get ready for his return by being alert and being faithful. God calls us to get ready for his return by being alert and being faithful. Now read with me in verse 36, and we're going to get some context why this is so important from Jesus, okay? Verse 36, this is Jesus speaking, it says, But about that day or hour no one knows, not even the angels in heaven nor the Son. The scripture tells us what Christ first wants us not to worry about. I want you to hear this loud and clear. The context of this sermon, it's a private sermon to his disciples that Matthew wrote down and would share to all the Jewish people that would read it, hopefully that they would believe. And his disciples at the beginning of the chapter had asked, what are the signs of the end of the age? What's the signs of your return? And Jesus' response is this sermon. Verses 4 through 35, we don't have time to go through them. It's just a list of signs that he's saying, okay, these can be warning signs for you to get ready. But then he turns everything around, everything on his head, and he says in verse 36, and he says this, no one knows. The angels don't know, not even the Son. Jesus Christ, fully God, omniscient, all-knowing, does not know. How can that be? I'm not really totally certain. But this we do know, okay? It's part of Christ's humiliation. It's part of his humility. There are elements of his deity that he chose not to use. He didn't pull himself off the cross. Luke says he grew up in wisdom. 
The letter of Philippians says that he didn't consider it robbery to hold on to his glory, and so he let it go so that he would be fully man, obedient even to death. And here we come to this point, Christ on this earth, the angels in heaven, serving the Lord, they did not know the date of Christ's return. And here's the catch, Here, or not the catch, but the important part. They didn't need to know it. That's the Father's business. And if we get caught, you and me, if we get caught up trying to predict Christ's return, even now, it will become a distraction for us. It will prevent you from being ready because you will be caught up in things that are not as important. It will prevent us from walking faithfully with our Lord if we're caught up in the date. So Christ's point of this sermon is this. Don't worry about when I return. Just be ready for it when it does happen. Don't worry about when I return. Just be ready for it when it does. So if we keep reading in verse 37, this is, this is what Jesus says about his return. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage. Up to the day Noah entered the ark, and they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Christ, again, he's teaching his disciples about his return. And the first thing he says is, it will be a surprise. Don't get caught up, disciples. Don't be distracted. My return is king. It will be a surprise to this world. Wow, that was loud. It will be a surprise to this world, and it can't be predicted. Not by Leonardo da Vinci. Not by any modern-day numerologist, not by Hollywood, no matter how convincing their arguments, no matter how convincing their special effects, it will be a lie. We will be living, all American, we will be living our normal lives. Someone will have just been promoted. Someone will just be PCS and going across the country. All the while, God's plan is happening at his pace for his glory. A loving father in heaven, patiently waiting for his children to be ready. Longing for them to be ready for when he comes. And if we keep reading, we see not only is it a surprise, in verse 40 and 41, we see that Christ's return is final. Two men will be in the field, this is verse 40, one will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding with the hand mill, one will be taken and the other left. Again, it's not only a surprise, it's final. Make no mistake, this is a picture of judgment. The people taken away, they're not raptured away in this passage. Those people taken away are directly related to the, what Jesus said about the great flood and how it swept those people away in God's wrath. It's a warning from Christ himself. And I want you to understand, this is not a hellfire and brimstone message. But it is a warning from a loving father. And he's saying, I'm coming back, and it's the most important thing in your life, whether or not you are ready, whether or not your family is ready, whether or not your friends and the rest of your loved ones are ready, whether or not your battle buddy or the people you work with or your neighbor or even the people you hate, it is the most important thing that they would be ready. 
so that's the question, All-American, for each of us. Are you ready? This world will lull you into a sleep, and you will pay the price, and I will pay the price. I want you to understand, there's a quote that says this, the spirit which leads to disaster is the spirit which says there's plenty of time. So how can we be ready? So we're going to see two points from Christ for the rest of this passage. And the first point is you can be ready by being alert, by keeping watch. Read with me in verse 42. It says this, therefore keep watch because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what time of the night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let his house get broken into. So you must also be ready, because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. Ladies and gentlemen, Christ, his lesson for his disciples is the same for us today. That therefore points to the previous paragraph about his return being a surprise in your life, about his return being final in your life. And he says, because my return is a surprise, because it is final, be alert. Keep watch. Why must we keep watch? Because we don't know the day of the king's return. Just that one day he will come. And from the verses above, it is vital to your life and to mine. It is vital to your children's life that we are ready when he does. Again, to show us this, Christ compared himself to a thief that would come in a night Now, the Jewish readers from the Gospel of Matthew, as he wrote it and presented it to them, the Jewish readers would have had the first Passover in mind, where the angel of the Lord came in the night to through all the Egyptian houses, and what did he do? He passed through their house and took the lives of their firstborn sons, all because they were not ready. But the Jewish houses, those homes were what? They were spared because they were ready. They had the blood of the lamb over their door. The blood that saved them was a blood of sacrifice. It was a picture of the lamb of God that John the Baptist would later call Christ, who would save us all. It was Christ's blood. It's his sacrifice that saves you, that makes you ready. Do you get that? It's not anything you do. It's what you're changed into by Christ and his work. Because it covers all of your sins and all of my sins. This is the key to get ready. To having a watchful and alert heart. Knowing he's coming back and allowing him to change you. So all American, I want you to get this. We live in a culture of readiness here in the army. Right? Every general officer has it on his um, lines of effort. Right? Readiness. We train for it, right? Because we have to be ready to fight and win our nation's wars. So we practice it, we train for it for weeks and on end, and then we go out into the field, and then we come back, and then we do it all over again. Why? Because we know how absolutely necessary it is to accomplish our mission, our task, and how important that task is. There is a clear difference between the reputation of the 82nd, right, and other units here at Fort Bragg who are ready to go as a quick reaction force, sometimes within hours, and other units that maybe need 90 days to get ready. That is us as a nation keeping watch with watchful hearts being alert. But let me ask you, 
If you never knew when your physical fitness test, your APFT, was going to be, it could, and it was just surprised on you in a the, in the moment's notice, would that change how you prepared to get ready for it? Might change how much brownies and ice cream I ate, right? But Christ is telling us as his king, his church is to be ready, and the world is distracting us, saying, no, you don't have to worry about that. He's not coming back for a while. So what does that look like in your life today? As a believer, having a watchful heart that is alert. It's a person who puts knowing the Lord before all other things in his or her life. It's a person who seeks to please the Lord first and foremost. It's a person who hears the word of the Lord and, and submits to his will because it's him who you serve. It's a father who takes the time to pray for his wife and share the gospel with his kids, even if he feels unworthy to do it. It's a wife who lifts up her husband and forgives him even when he doesn't deserve it. That one's probably personal. It's a brother or sister or a battle buddy who points others to the life-giving promise, the life-giving promise of Christ and how he can save us from the punishment of our sin. That's someone who has a watchful heart. Because when you surrender to him, you daily grow in grace. And so if you aren't even there yet, if you are a person here who isn't a believer in Christ, what does it take for you to be ready? It's simply this. Surrender to Christ. Ask him to be your Lord and Savior. Ask him to cover your sins and to come into your life and to save you. That is the key to being ready. And then once he saves you, you grow in grace day in and day out. What it means for you and me to be ready is not a bunch of rules. I want you to understand that. The actions come after the change. You could do everything above that I mentioned. All the prayers, all the sharing, all the whatever miraculous things. And if you don't have the heart to match, it is worthless. It wouldn't mean a thing. It's about us faithfully growing in him. And that's what it looks like to be alert. But as we come... Continue reading, we're going to see there's a second point that Christ has. Not only should we be alert, we should be faithful. We are to be as faithful servants as we read in verse 45. It says this, Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom the master has put in charge of the servants of the household to give them their food at the proper time? It will be good for that servant whose master finds him doing so when he returns. Truly, I tell you, he will put him in charge of all of his possessions. Now, according to Christ, I want you to catch this. Being alert and keeping watch, or being alert is to be faithful. The two are one and the same. One's an extension of the other. I want you to think of a guard on a tower at, at a fob. He's charged with faithfully protecting all of his fellow soldiers. Keeping watch so that everyone is safe. That is being faithful. Protecting everyone there, all others. You stand watch, making sure the enemy cannot get inside the wire. Again, Christ, to Christ, those two are one and the same. In this parable, he, gave his, the, he was the master who gave his servant one job to do, and that was to feed the rest of the household. And the faithful servant did as he was commanded. He obeyed. Now, through this story, the disciples would have gotten a very specific warning, right? Because he was their master, and he was about to go, and he was saying, you are in charge of the church, 
I'm leaving you with this task, this one command, and that is to spread the gospel, to preach it uncorrupted, to protect the gospel, to protect my church. And they would be held accountable if they ignored that responsibility. But there's a principle for you and me that Christ wants us to catch as well, that we draw from this parable. Christ commands all of us, he commands you, he commands me to obey him faithfully. He is our king. And if he is our king, we must obey his commands. It's that simple. If you love me, you will obey my commands. And what command does he have for you and for me? Just two chapters earlier, just days earlier in Christ's life, Matthew chapter 22, verse 37, he says this, the greatest command is this, that you love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your mind, with all of your soul, with all your strength. This is the greatest command. That is the mission you and I, are, that we should complete if we are to be found faithful. You put him above every other things in your life. If he's worth more to you than your job, your money, your popularity, your dreams, your reputation, your family. He's, be, he's worth more than all of those things. That is the command you and I must strive to obey. Just as the servant who obeyed his master and fed the rest of the servants. He wants you to love him with all of who you are. He doesn't want you to live a life of legalism. He doesn't want you to think you can earn your way into his good graces with good deeds. That does not make you ready. No one could ever live up to that standard. Those who do, who try to, stand condemned before him. In Matthew chapter 7, his first sermon, Chaplain Miller did it just four, four weeks ago, I believe, right? In Matthew chapter 7, there was those, he, Jesus said, many will come to me and say, Lord, Lord, did we not do this and not do that? All of these great deeds, greater deeds than you and I would, like we would only hope to achieve in our life. And he says, depart from me, you who, you practor, practicer of, of wickedness, of lawlessness. I never knew you. What Christ is saying is, those deeds weren't born out of a converted heart. You have to be changed by the Lord first and foremost. To be a part of this unlikely kingdom, he wants you to be faithful. And you have to be saved by grace through faith in order to be faithful. And to be faithful is to continue to live in that grace day in and day out. To be faithful is to surrender to God's command and walk with him, walk in his new life. To be faithful is to keep in step with the Holy Spirit, surrendering to him and allowing his fruit to shine through your life, in your relationships, in your work, no matter what the cost. That's the command that Christ has given to you and to me to obey. That is us living as his faithful servants. That is us being faithful. So All-American, the challenge for us, the question that comes to all of us today, are we faithful? Are we alert? Are we ready? Is what you're doing today what you would want your Lord Jesus Christ to find you doing when he comes back? In your work, in your home, in your heart when no one else is looking? 
he sees all. And he is a loving father, not some cop that wants to catch you at a speed trap. Some old 70s show. Instead, he's a loving father who's told his children, I'm counting to 30, and I'm coming back. All the while knowing he's given you a second, a third, a fourth, a fifth chance. But he will return, make no mistake. And the question for each and one of us that we have to ask is, am I ready? Is my family ready? Is my neighbor ready? Those are big questions for us to truly ask. And then to say, what is distracted me? Is it my fears? Is it my selfishness? Is it my pride? And then to let go of it. To let God transform you. Maybe the world's lulled you to that false sense of security that says, I have all the time in the world. I want you to understand why this is so important. Because tomorrow morning you may get up for PT and you may go out for a run and it may be the last run of your life. It happens. Through no fault of your own. You may be the most fit person. You, it may not be an age-related thing. Maybe you ran too fast and run out in front of a car. What it, whatever it is. You may be PCSing to JBLM this summer. It could be Fort Jackson, just a few hours away, and you may never get there. It happens. And the question comes to you and to me, and it's more important than any other, it says, are you ready for the king? I want you to understand the purpose of this sermon. It is for you to make a decision. Make no mistake. He's the coming king, and in this unlikely kingdom, he's given us time to get ready and so all americans maybe you're here and you've never trusted in christ and you know that you're not ready and you want to hide in that barn so that no one will find you my challenge to you is just give your life to christ surrender to him it's as simple as as praying to the lord saying lord i ask that you would be my lord and savior it is by your sacrifice, your blood on the cross, that my sins can be covered and that I can be made ready to greet you. It's that simple. If you're a believer and you've just been distracted from this world, I'll just challenge you. As Holly and the band, they're going to come up and we're going to have a chance to sing in response. Maybe it's you praying at your pew or maybe it's you coming up to the altar to pray. Or maybe you need to speak with a chaplain. There will be a few of us around. Or maybe you need to speak with, with a friend or a loved one that brought you here. Again, if you are someone who has not trusted in Christ, now is the moment that you can make that decision. No pressure. I'm not going to ask for you to sign up for anything. It's between you and the Lord. And if you are a believer, my challenge to you is this. What have you gotten distracted by? And how can you be faithful to the command that God has given you, and that is to love him with all of your heart, with all of your mind, with all of your soul and strength. So as we have this time for you to be ready, to be made ready, I just invite you to allow God to make you ready. Allow him to change you from the inside out. Pray with me. Father, we're thankful, again, that, that people so easily distracted 
can receive life by you. And you are so patient with us, and you love us so much. And so, God, I just ask right now that you would work, you would break through hearts. You would change lives, you would change marriages, you would change relationships, and you would bring and show and give hope and joy where there is no hope. And you would restore life and build up where we have destroyed. And God, most especially, that your word would be clear, that we would heed your warnings, and we would allow you to make us ready. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. That was this week's All-American Chapel Protestant Service podcast. Please tune in for next week's podcast.